0: Philippians chapter 1, we're going to start there. Um, mentioned to somebody <clears throat> Sunday night uh, the lesson I taught on uh, uh, Saturday will kind of be the beginning and springboard and we'll continue from there. Um, so there's a few firsts for me tonight. I've never preached from a tablet before, so this is going to be a first. So hopefully it doesn't die on me, you know, or something or get locked up, things like that. And then um, this is the first time I've actually preached a sermon, so it could be a while. Uh, the good news is well, we need to get on the road tomorrow morning at 7, so I do have to stop before then. So, um, uh, As I mentioned uh, before, I've uh, been uh, studying through the book of Philippians, uh, preparing a uh, Bible Institute course for that uh, back in Cambodia, uh, reading both in Khmer and in English, and uh had my wife read it too because i like to talk to her about it you know so she's been reading through and stuff like that but it's been fun uh studying and, and it's fun i don't know if, if you've never done this before but if you take a book of the bible and just read it over and over and over and over again and then uh, you know uh, highlight words that are the same usually i when i'm doing this i usually uh, print it off on different paper not my bible because i'm writing all over on it you know some things i'm writing it's like oh that wasn't right i'll erase that and uh, put something different but um but it's good, it's really good. And I want to give you a, a little update on uh, what we're doing in Cambodia right now before I start. And uh, my wife and I started the church. Uh, we we count the beginning of the church, uh, May 1997 when we baptized our first converts. And uh, <clears throat> in 1999, uh, we uh, baptized a young man named Wang and uh, we ordained Wang in 2018. So it was about 19 years later, I guess, but uh, Uh, He married one of the girls from our church, and uh, in 2018, I told the church he's not the pastor yet, but whenever I'm not here, he is. And so, uh, 2018, that summer, my uh, oldest son got married. We came home for three months, and in 2020, uh, Blake got married, so we came home for three months. In 2021, we were home for three months, and of course, uh, there was uh, that little thing called COVID, and uh, Pastor Wong pretty much took uh, over during COVID with the online Um, ministries that were going on. And uh, we were also, during COVID, we were building a building. And then, uh, and what we were looking at is we were praying for a building that God would give us a building. We felt like it was the last obstacle we had for the church to really be able to support itself, to be independent. And uh, God did that in some miraculous ways. And uh, uh, the church gave in two years during the building program, the church itself gave $100,000. And uh, this is in a country that uh, doesn't have that kind of money. It was really miraculous. and um, uh, Pastor Wang himself uh, brought at one time, he, he, he gave me a stack of $100 bills that equaled $10,000. His uh, father-in-law also had sent 10000 with him, so he carried $20,000 cash into the building, which is how we do most everything over there is cash. And so... Um, Wang makes less than $4,000 a year, and he gave 10 grand at one time. It was through a sale of land. I, I double-checked. He didn't rob a bank or anything, because so I was thinking, if he's going to jail, we need to find a new pastor, you know, but uh, wasn't going to turn down the money, but, he, you know, we'd have to start preparing, but uh, the church just sacrificially gave about 70 of that $100,000 came through the sale of rice fields and lands and stuff, things like that, that, uh, they sold. They didn't. They didn't give the whole amount to the church. Uh, they didn't lie and say they did, like in Max chapter. What was that? Five or so. But they gave uh, large portions of it and went and bought other property that they could get cheaper. And um, so now we're in a position where the church is doing well under uh, Kamai leadership, and um, they, since January, have been paying all of their own bills. And uh, my wife and I are now planning this next year after we go back in, in 2023. Lord willing, we go back in January. And uh, we're gonna be looking to move to another town and it's called the Gio. It's a town of about 40,000 people and it's about 60 miles south of Phnom Penh. So pray for us as we go down there to you know, find the right place God wants us to be. There's not a good church there. Um, and we pray that God would use us to uh, start another church down there. Uh, and during this time as well, and this next year, we're praying and hoping and planning and working towards uh, starting an online Bible college or Bible Institute uh, in Cambodia. I've been teaching Bible Institute courses since 1999 uh, and uh, to a small group of pastors. And those, those pastors will be helping me in the teaching. There will be about six other missionaries that are planning to help also, and so you help, uh, pray about this. the The biggest obstacle for this, to me, is the whole all the computer and the video and all that stuff is the is the biggest uh, issue I can see ahead of us right now. But I've been trying to get some advice uh, from people who already have like Bible uh, institutes online, Bible colleges online. But this will open up for, to a lot of pastors, some that we've we've trained personally. Who are in villages to be able to help us teach because they're quite far away but they could still teach for us if even if they're far away and also some of their people who they wouldn't have to come to Phnom Penh they wouldn't have to come you know rent a place and all that they could uh, start Bible Institute classes from where they're at stay involved in their own churches and so we feel like this is uh, the time and it's the right thing for uh, our ministry and for the churches that we work with at this time so we pray about that that's Kind of a couple of the uh, smaller things that we have in store for us. And, of course, uh, you know, we're still hoping to come back uh, and visit America sometimes. We don't know when that would be. But uh, we're just kind of uh, playing that by ear a little bit of time. Also, it's a little bit based on ministry over there. But when we can come back, when we can step away from uh, from ministry that we're doing there. So pray, pray with us about that. Uh, Lord willing, January 18th, we'll head back to Uh, Cambodia. I have a conference in March and then start looking for a new house in another town. So it's all exciting and fun and uh, so we're looking forward to all that. In Philippians chapter 1, we're going to review the first three chapters of Philippians, I hope quickly. Okay, And I just want to point some things out to you. I pointed some things out already uh, in chapter 1, so I'll just review that and kind of tell you about that a little bit. But uh, in chapter 1, we talked about uh, verse 21, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And we saw in uh, in that chapter, verse 12, when Paul said he was imprisoned, it was for the furtherance of the gospel. So Paul had some suffering in his life, but it was for... Uh, the furtherance of the gospel and then in verse 20 he said whether it be by life or by death but it's so that christ shall be magnified in my body and so it wasn't important that whether that christ that paul lived or that he died what was important is that christ was magnified and then the very next verse for me to live is christ and die is gain and we see that he explains dying as gain being with christ in the next few verses but then in verse uh, 24 and 25, that to live, he knew that if he lived, it would further the church, it would further the Christians in Philippi, and it would help them to have uh, joy of faith, the Bible says in verse 25. And then he goes down, and we kind of see a little bit about what the Philippians are going through, and uh, in verse 28, he says, and nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to of salvation and that of God. So when they were suffering adversity, and they were not afraid, it was terrifying to the people who were persecuting them, because they weren't afraid. It was an evident token of perdition that they would be judged by the God that they believed in. But it was also a token of their own salvation that was from God. Then it says verse 29, For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ. This is interesting. Not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. The church at Philippi was suffering for Jesus. They were staying faithful to Jesus Christ, but they were suffering under adversity. It doesn't say in this verse what that adversity is, but in the next verse, we kind of see what it may have been. Because Paul says having the same conflict, so they had the same conflict which they saw in Paul, and now here to be in Paul. So when, when Paul first went to Philippi, he was there preaching, and people got saved, and then they grabbed him, and uh, they put him, and I think it was Silas, they grabbed them, and they, they beat them, and they put him in prison, and you know the story there, I think about the prison guard, and who was in charge of the prison, he gets saved, what must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in all thy house. But there in Philippi, they saw, like it says in verse 30, they saw this conflict or this suffering in Paul. And now they hear because he's writing this from prison. Now, let's go back up to the very beginning of the verse. The same conflict which you saw in me and now here to be in me. That's the same conflict that the Philippi church was experiencing. And they were having people from their own church, believers, that were suffering and being put in prison because of their faith, so the Church of Philippi was going through some things. As a matter of fact, Pastor Thomason mentioned this church uh, last uh, Sunday night and talked about this church having given to uh, Paul and his ministry. and And a Pastor mentioned uh, that at the end of chapter uh, four of this book and how they gave to Paul once and again uh, when he was in Thess- Thessalonica. And so you, you have here a church who's suffering and who has trouble. This church in Macedonia who is staying faithful to God, not only in their own service to him, but also in giving for the work of God. And, and I want to encourage you. I feel like that's where this church is as far as you're, you're willing to, to sacrifice, you're willing to give for the work of God. You've had a history of doing so and you want to keep going forward in that way. And this was the church at Philippi, the same thing. In chapter 2, it goes on and, and uh, you'll see then. Uh, in verse 3 and 4, actually verse 2, 3, and 4, you have some, some commands from Paul. And two of those commands in verse 3 and 4 are said, so Let nothing be done through strife, vain, glory, but in lowliness loneliness of mind. Let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. We talked about this with the teenagers on Sunday. And, and uh, this is the example of Christ. And that's why the very next verse in verse 5 says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, because Jesus esteemed us better than himself, even though he was better than us. The Bible says in verse six, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal to God, because he is God. He humbled himself, he made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. and being found in the fashion of man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death even the death of the cross. And this is the mind that God wants us to have. And as a, as a church, as a Christian that's willing to sacrifice for the Lord, we cannot be high-minded and we cannot uh, have pride and arrogancy, but God wants us to esteem others better than ourselves and not just to look on our own benefit or our own things, but also to look on the things of others and to help others in that way. And, and like, like Jesus did, he's our example. And... Uh, Having the mind of Christ is what God wants us to do. He wants us to have that mind of of serving others, also being willing to serve Him, even if it means sacrifice on our part. And Paul says in verse 17 of chapter 2, Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. This is a joy if I can sacrifice for you. Now, typically, this is not what we say. This is not who we are as people. I mentioned in in chapter, uh, I mentioned Saturday morning, in verse 21, it says, for all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. It's typical, it's human of us to seek what's best for us, to look out for number one, as the world would say. However, if we're Christians, we understand that number one is not us, it's Christ. And so, I've heard many people say that the book of Philippians is about joy. Now, I, I probably would disagree with that unless it's used as an a, a acrostic and J is Jesus and O is others and Y is yourself, and meaning I'm going to put Jesus first, I'm going to put others next, and put myself at the end. Now, if you say that's what the book of Philippians is about, I would have to agree with you. And there is joy through doing that. But the Bible's in Philippians, I believe, is about being willing to sacrifice what most people are trying to get in this life, and by putting Jesus first and giving up those things for him. So we'll, we're in a little bit of a hurry, and I'm still in the introduction, and uh, in chapter 3, uh, Paul continues to uh, talk about uh, things, and he is here talking about, in the first few verses... Uh, the things that he was in the world's eyes but he says in verse 8 yea Dallas and I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my lord for whom i have suffered the loss of all things
1: and do count them but done that i may win christ because christ is the goal
0: Christ is what we're pressing forward to. In verse 14, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, not the things of this world. Now, I'd like you to understand that Paul is writing this to the church of Philippi. He's he's not talking to another group of pastors. He's not talking to another group of missionaries. He's talking to a church. He's talking to a church that doesn't necessarily have a lot of money, or they don't have a lot of prospects. Many of them have been uh, imprisoned and, in, and uh, suffered by the hands of people that are persecuting them there. And so these are people that are just trying to serve the Lord where they're at. They're not going out other places. It's, it's a church like you
1: all. And he's saying what your, your goal is, your goal is Christ. We want to please him. We
0: want to, we want to serve him, and, and we want to lift his name up, and we want to lift his gospel up. And, and chapter 3 is basically about this is, this is what we have our mind set to do, is to serve Jesus Christ. And so verse 15 says, Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, or saved, or made righteous in the blood of Jesus Christ, you could say, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if in anything ye be otherwise minded... In other words, if your mind isn't to put Christ first and to make him your life and your goal, if in anything ye be
1: otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. The Holy Spirit's going to talk to you about it. I've had that happen in my life. After I got saved, to would be like, well, I'm doing this. God said, no, you're not. That's for you. It's not for me. God will tell you. And you can, you can try to deny it all you want, but the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart
0: and he's telling you that in something, you're putting yourself in the world before
1: God. But you know who reveals that to you? God does. God's first, God's our goal. Now, hopefully, none of us are in the category of chapter three, verse eighteen,
0: which is the enemies of the cross of Christ. But if you're not sure, you can read the description in verse nineteen, and hopefully, that doesn't describe you. But I got stuck on the one that says God is whose God is their belly. I'm like, Uh-oh. oh, man, I like to eat, yeah. Lord, please show me if I, you know, that's my problem. I don't want to be the enemy of the cross of Christ. But you know, our conversation, verse 20, is supposed to be in heaven. It's supposed to be about eternity. It's supposed to be about him who sits on the throne in heaven. And uh, from whence also we look for the Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, this book, this church in Philippi, like the pastor mentioned, uh, uh, Sunday night, Pastor uh, Johnson mentioned about the Philippians giving. in verse chapter 4, verse 15 says, Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia... No church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again unto my necessity. Here is a a church that's giving to gospel preachers to go preach the gospel outside of their Jerusalem, if you will. Thessalonica is still in Greece, I believe, still in, maybe even still in Macedonia, the uh, area from which Philippi was from. It's not that far away from Philippi, but it's outside of where their immediate influence is, and they're giving, uh, they're giving Paul money so that he can go and be taken care of, and he can focus on preaching the gospel outside of where they're at. Now, I'd like to show you now in Philippians chapter 4 it says, it's a really important word in this, uh, in this book and that is chapter 4 verse 1 it says therefore now as I've studied books of the Bible with uh, my pastors and uh, Bible students in Cambodia uh, we'll come to places in many of book, uh, Paul's books where therefore is there and usually Paul is uh, it's following a long, uh, a long doctrinal statement, uh, like in chapter 12, verse 1. 11 chapters of doctrine, and very few commands in those 11 chapters. The first command is in chapter 6 of Romans, and then you come to chapter 12, and it's therefore, because we believe all of this, chapter 12, 13, 14, 15, this is what we're going to do. This is what God expects of us. Because we believe this, this is how we act. Now, in Philippians, it doesn't have a doctrinal statement. But instead, in Philippians, there are many examples. Paul's example in chapter 1. Christ's example, starting in verse 6, down to about verse 11. Then you have the example of uh, Timothy. And uh, his example that uh, he's sending uh, Timothy to them, and he is... Uh, like-minded, like like Paul, and he's going to look out for the church at Philippi, not just himself. Then you have the example of Epaphroditus, and then in chapter 3, Paul goes through the example of his own life, and he counts all those things but garbage, trash, but dung. And he says, these are all garbage because I'm I'm pressing forward to Jesus Christ. And you have all these examples in chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3, and these examples, the most important example is Jesus Christ, of course. All of the exa- these examples of self-sacrifice, of being willing to give up the things of this world or the things that our flesh desires in order to please Jesus Christ, to put him first, to make him number one,
1: to acknowledge him as the Lord of our life. And because the church at Philippi was already doing that, he says, therefore, so
0: stand fast. In the Lord. They say you skip some words. Yeah there is a lot of love in this verse. So I tell you what. Paul loves these people. My brethren dearly beloved. There's quite a bit of love in that statement.
1: But then he says. My dearly beloved and longed for. My joy. And crown. These church people
0: at Philippi. So stand fast in the Lord. Then he decide, he repeats it again. My dearly beloved. Man, he loves these people. I believe part of the reason he loves these people so much is because they got it. When they got saved, they put Christ first. They were willing to give up the things of this world. They were willing to go to jail. They were willing to be in prison. They were willing to suffer affliction and to still have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ in a way that made the people who, who afflicted them terrified.
1: They don't even care. They're still happy. Because it was an evident token of
0: those Christians' faith in the Lord and that they were saved. It was also an evident token that they were in trouble, that perdition, punishment, eternally so, was going to come to them. And so Paul is encouraging them in chapter 4, This is where, I believe, becomes now the the application to people who are living for the Lord and putting God first. And they're living for Jesus Christ first and foremost, but they're also living for the church, and they're living for the benefit of the church. And now, in chapter 4, he says, stand fast. Keep on keeping on. Don't give up. Keep going forward. And the reason he's saying that is because when you live a sacrificial life for the Lord and for others, there can be and there will be some discouraging
1: times come. It's going to happen. But don't give up. So I'm not going to get through all of these points in chapter 4.
0: I'm quite certain of it. But hopefully... This evening, it's been more of a teaching time than a preaching time. We see, first of all, in verse two, when he beseeches Iodias, and I think this is a lady, she'd probably be appalled by how I pronounced her name, but uh, I beseech Yodius and beseech uh, Sentici. that's probably wrong too, that they be of the same mind in the Lord. Now, don't misunderstand this. Paul's not saying they have to agree on everything. All saying they'd be like-minded. Go back to chapter 2 and see what that means. To have the same mind. To have the mind of Christ. To esteem other better than themselves. To look not just on their own things, but on the things of others. And we don't have to agree about, about the color of the chairs in the auditorium. We do have to agree that uh, Christ is first. And we put others before ourselves, (laughs) okay? And this is the same mind. And so what happens is, when
1: people esteem another better than themselves, man, suddenly strife goes away. You can't have strife without pride. And he's encouraging the people, to
0: remain unified but not unified because we just agree on everything and we get rid of anybody who doesn't agree no we all agree with Christ and we all see his example and we follow the example of having the mind of Christ being willing to esteem others better than ourselves and also we stand fast by rejoicing Bible says in verse 4 rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice you know sometimes Sometimes when you're living for the Lord and you're putting Him first, and I can't imagine uh, this church at uh, Philippi, when they were put in prison, I imagine it'd be difficult to rejoice. But they had the example of Christ, and they also had the example of Paul, that when Paul was in prison, he sang praises to God. And sometimes, I do believe that in our lives, there are times when it's hard to find something to take joy in. And that's why our mind needs to be towards Jesus. And we rejoice in the Lord. He is an infinite source of joy for us. He will never let us down. I like how they say it. God is good all the time. All the time. God is good. I can tell you everything. The times that we uh, endure sometimes are not always good.
1: But God in those times is always good. People will disappoint you but rejoice in the Lord. There are times when it's difficult to find joy unless we are finding our joy in God himself. You know, when Jesus went to the cross and died for our sins,
0: and he took our sin upon himself so
1: that we could have a way to heaven, I hope you understand that he does not owe us anything else. But we do owe him a debt we cannot pay. And there are times things happen in our lives and we wonder,
0: Lord, have you forgotten about me? Of course he hasn't. But you may feel that way. And you may not joy in the circumstances of your life or in a sickness Or in the death of a loved one, there's times to grieve. There are times to cry. But our joy, and we rejoice in the Lord, in Him. I'm sure the church of Philippi had some tough times. Paul knew that there were times when there's very little to rejoice in, but they
1: could always, and it says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Stand fast. Stand fast by being moderate. Let your
0: moderation be made known unto all men. This word moderation is also translated patient in the King James Bible. I looked up the meaning of it. It says to be appropriate, to mild, gentle. But again, it's also translated patient. There are times that we get excited and uh, we get stirred up for the Lord. And we sometimes are not so patient this word moderate, just keep going. Okay? And if you have to slow down and pace yourself, go ahead. Okay? But don't stop serving the Lord. If you need to take a weekend off and get some, uh, get some break, not from church. I don't mean that. I mean, just take a time, some time off. If you need to take a vacation, uh, I remember the first vacation my wife and I took uh, in Cambodia. We were sure that we were just going to go to another place of Uh, culture shock and uh, stress and uh, we found uh, a beautiful place in Cambodia and there was a beach and there were no people. There was another beach that had lots of people but we found a beach with no people and uh, it was a very relaxing place and uh, we prayed and asked the Lord, please keep uh, the beach down here free of tons of people, free of uh, all the tourism until at least our kids are grown. I should have prayed until we're gone, okay, because uh, about the time uh, Blake was leaving, they started taking over our, our beach, didn't they? It was about three miles of desolate beach where there was nothing, no electricity, all the tourists were staying away. I think Blake and I went down there, we saw him putting up uh, electric lines when you were about 13, we we're like, uh-oh. If the electric lines are coming, the people are gonna come later, you know? They're gonna come too. And then they redid the road, it was all over after that, it was all over after that.
1: But sometimes we need a break, I get that. But we don't stop. We don't stop. We keep going. You know, uh, somebody might need to take a breather. Uh, Blake would use a basketball
0: reference. You know, sit on the bench for a couple minutes, get things together, get a drink. But then you're back in the game. We're patient. We continue. We, we keep on. We stand fast by being patient and waiting on the Lord and continuing to serve him. We stand fast by casting our cares upon him. You see in verse 6, it says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now I know... Many of us take this verse, you know, cast your cares upon the Lord, that's in First uh, Peter chapter 5, and here it is, be careful for nothing. In other words, don't be fret, don't worry, uh, don't get all anxious and stressed out, but tell God about it. But when you're telling God about it, it's by prayer and supplication, and make sure you do that with thanksgiving, thanking God. Uh, I know we have, uh, there's times when uh, we have problems with church members in Cambodia, and uh, I'll be telling one of the other missionaries. Who has no church members, brother? Because he hasn't anybody saved yet?
1: I remember one time a guy telling me, I wish I had problems with church members. And I was just like, oh yeah, maybe I should thank God for the church members first. But yeah, church members have problems.
0: I know I'm talking to a bunch of church members, okay? Uh-huh. <laughs> so, <laughs> they have problems. We're sinners, right? We mess things up sometimes. Uh, Usually, in my experience, I I don't know about here, I'm sure that the people here are not like this. I'm sure this is only in Cambodia and New Hope Baptist Church, but usually people come ask me after they've decided to do something, after they've already messed things up, then they come say, man, preacher, what do I do? I did this, and it's all a mess, and now how do I fix it? Well, you should have come ask me before you decided, because we could have used the Bible to uh, keep you away from making that decision. Oh, does the Bible talk about this? It sure does. It sure does. So now we can go back to that decision and maybe correct it, but what the fruits of that decision I'm not sure anybody can take away now. Those are there. Yeah, sometimes the cares of ministry, of living for other people, sometimes we pour our life when we sacrifice money, time, energy for a person that ends up just turning
1: their back on the church and on God. That's discouraging. What do we do with that? Well, we give that to God too. We thank God for being willing to use us.
0: We thank God for the opportunity he's had. And we pray that God would do something in their hearts. But listen, people do not need to follow us. They need to follow Christ. And sometimes when people turn away from following Christ, it makes us feel betrayed. But it's not us they're betraying, it's Christ. But when we give things to God, when we pray to God, we realize that everything is dependent upon God and through God. The Bible says, verse 7, And the peace of God which
1: passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Because God's in control. And I will stand before God someday, and I will be accountable for the things that I have done,
0: that I have said, and for many of those things, I need to ask God forgiveness because I did not do the things I was supposed to do. But as I live a sacrificial life for the Lord, as I give up the things of this world to serve him, whether it be money or time or energy, whether it be time with my kids or my grandkid. I have one grandchild. I almost said kids, but I only have one right now, but maybe someday, okay? Okay. <laughs> One child's going to Philippi, uh, 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 it's not Philippi, is it? Yeah, Philippians, not Philippi, Philipp, yeah, Philippines, thank you. I'm preaching for Philippians. <laughs> Philippines, they shouldn't go there. I can't pronounce it. Okay, so one's in Michigan right now, and I don't know how long he'll be there, and uh, Blake's here in Oklahoma, and uh, they're just trying to spread out as much as they can, make it as hard as it is, you know, possible for uh, mom, dad, no. We're thankful for children who obey the Lord and follow the Lord wherever He leads them to serve. Sometimes by living a sacrificial life for God and by obeying Him, sometimes there's some distance put between you and the people you love. But you know what? You can have real joy and peace from God because He wants us to, first of all, but when we pray and we talk to him, he can give us peace. And that peace also comes in verse 9. I'm going to skip verse 8 for now. I know I skipped verse 8. By doing the things we know we're supposed to do. Because in verse 9 it says, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do.
1: This is incredible. And the God of peace shall be with you. You know what that basically says, you know what you've taught, been taught from the Bible? And what you've seen people do in obedience to the Bible? Do that. Yeah, we, we
0: are supposed to pray and, uh, and, and follow God. We're supposed to rejoice in the Lord. But we're also supposed to just obey what we know we're supposed to do. And the things that you don't know yet? Well, I don't think you're necessarily accountable for those things. You're supposed to keep studying until you figure it out, okay? But you could start with what you know, what you've learned, what you've received. You could start with what you've heard and what you've seen already. You do those
1: things. And the God of peace will help you stand fast and keep following him.
0: You know, I, I told somebody one time, if I could just do what I'm supposed to do, <laughs> if I could just please the Lord, and, and other people didn't, but if I could just please him in all things, then I could have peace, that I've done my part. I've done my part. I've done what I'm supposed to do. And the Bible says that. The God of peace shall be with you. Now it says in verse 8, I'll go back, like, like I said. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, Whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, and if it's on Facebook, oh no, it doesn't say that. Okay, think on these things. Now, some of those things that I just mentioned are on Facebook, but majority on Facebook is not in that list. But God wants us to think about these things. So doing the right things is important, but thinking about the right things is important too. And uh Today in this world, often people start to get off track and standing fast and continuing and following Christ and serving Him starts to go off track first in their mind.
1: It's what we dwell on. It's what we think about. It could be something that's a bitterness.
0: It could be dissatisfaction. It could be somebody did something
1: that we don't like and maybe it's lust, maybe it's covetousness I don't know but we get thinking about the things that we deserve and don't have we get thinking about the things that we don't get to do but we should, we should get to do we, we start thinking about things that are of, not of a good report and there's no virtue in them. Might be movies. It might be just chatting with people. It could be pictures or
0: it could be a lot of things. Might be gossip that's on Facebook or some
1: other uh, some other way. But in verse eight, I believe he's trying to tell us if we're going
0: to stand fast for the Lord and continue to serve Him, we need to guard our heart. And we need to, on purpose, think on good things. My wife and I have found that some missionaries that come to Cambodia are very teachable. And they want help. Uh, Not my wife and I. No, we're not two of those people. But (laughs) uh, There's people that want help. And for some reason, they're starting to call us the older missionaries. And so... I'm not sure how we got that uh, term. So I, just, I told him, I said, How about you call us the ones that have been here the longest, but not necessarily the oldest? Because there are other people older than us, but not too many that have been there longer than us. And, and uh, one, one uh, missionary wife, when she first came to Cambodia, man, she really struggled a lot with culture shock and everything was gross and nasty. And, uh, you know, she'd see our people put their kids on a moped and drive away and she say I'm never doing that that is terrible that's wrong and tell her hey they don't have any other choice if you want to get a car and drive a car that's fine but don't, don't say that in front of my people you know dissatisfied a lot of things my wife had a talk with her and said you need to start making a list of good things you know what she did she did she started making a list of good things and she started to really love Cambodia and living in Cambodia and then they moved out to the province especially when they moved to uh, Maimut, which is a town that means, the name of the town means witch. And uh, no churches in this town at all. And uh, nothing Western in this town at all. There's no other white people in this town except for their family. And um, she had a hard time there. Her husband's very tall, about 6'5", and he weighs maybe 150, you think? And he's very thin. I wouldn't call her obese or fat because we're online. Nikki, I wouldn't say that. Okay, so.
1: No, I'm joking. But all the Cambodian people in town do. They all do. It bothers her. I'm sure it wouldn't bother any of you. But it bothers her. And,
0: uh. And there's a lot of things about this town that bother her. There's these ground spiders, like tarantulas, up there. That's why we're not going north. We're going south. There's not a whole lot of ground spiders south of Phnom Penh. And so uh, she was really struggling. Honestly, I went up uh, to help them. And I had to sit down with her husband and tell him. I told him, Matt, I would not live in the house that you have your family in. I told him, you got to do something about this. It's not secure. People can walk in and out as they please. And they did. So he he listened. He was also teachable. He got a different house. But you know, my wife talked to her again and said, you know, Nikki, what you need to do is you need to make a new list, not just about what's good about Cambodia, but what's good about Maimut. The witch town, quite literally. And so she did. And we saw it on Facebook. We got to see her take her kids and to tell different things uh, they like about Maymont, and they, I think they might have mentioned a few things they, they don't like, uh, you know, some of the animals living in the house, but they would laugh about it, but her heart turned and her mind turned to loving living in Maymut. and it helps her be able to stand fast. She used to say, man, I just want my husband to get a church going here, get a national pastor so we can leave. Right? Just want to get out of this place. Let's get this mission done and over with, so we can get out of here. And now, she loves the people that God's given them, and they're looking to buy a piece of land so they can build a house. Like, what's wrong with you guys living in Witch Town? You don't want to stay there.
1: And simply by controlling what she thought about. You know, if, if you don't control what you think about, you're not going to stand fast. And there's just one more thing,
0: and I've preached the whole sermon, I've gone a little bit over time, and, uh, and that is
1: we stand fast by trusting in God's provision. You know, the Church of Philippi, they gave, they gave when they suffered through
0: a lot of affliction, Many of them were imprisoned, but they continued to give to Paul and his ministry because they wanted the gospel to keep going forward. And this is what Pastor referenced on Sunday night, chapter 4, verse 19, but
1: my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And there's a, there's a peace that comes in knowing, okay, I'm doing what God wants me to do. I know I'm doing what God wants me to
0: do. I may not be giving as much as someone else, but I don't have to give as much as someone else. I just have to be obedient to God. I just have to give what I'm supposed to give. I know I'm giving what I'm supposed to give. I know I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm keeping my mind on Christ. I'm trying to have the mind of Christ and and be a servant to others and servant to Christ and esteem others better than myself. I'm really trying, Lord, to do as best as I can this way, and I know, Lord, you're looking out for me. He's got my back.
1: when other people don't even know where my back is the God of peace is with me and he is supplying all my needs according
0: to his riches in Christ Jesus so I'll tell you this and then I'll be done and almost every night we'd go to bed during the building when we first started the building project I signed a contract for I think it was $80,000 and we had 70,000, the church did. And uh, so we gave him $70,000 and immediately I thought, you know, in the next four months I gotta come up with 10 more thousand dollars and I just couldn't figure out where I was gonna come up with $10,000 in four months. And uh, our building offering at that time was about maybe 200 a month or so. So $1,000, okay, maybe, but $10,000. And uh, that was just for the parking lot no church well God provided that pretty quick and we we're building no other money's really coming in and every night uh, quite, quite often in the evenings Becky and I would go over to the project and she would like to get on that first level that was going to be the church auditorium but we didn't have enough money to build walls or anything to go up and below it was going to be the parking lot and she would she would go there and pray at night she'd put her head on my shoulder and she'd say what are we going to do how are we going to get, are we going to have just a parking lot? And uh, I would say, and just trying to assure her, you know, I don't know. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, is God going to give us more? I don't know.
0: I, I, brother, I, I didn't know. Like, I had no idea where it was going to come from. I had to go in because the, the construction they basically want to know, are we going up another level? And uh, I owed them the other 10000 we were able to take that, pay off the first part of the contract. And then I went and told them, I said, uh, Pastor Wong was with me. We don't have any more money. Now, one of the people that worked at that construction project said, Pastor, God's going to provide this. And I said, I believe he will. I just don't know when. And I'm not going to tell you to start building something being presumptuous and money I don't have. I can't do that, you know. I mean it could be God wanted us to have a parking lot for two or three or four years before we go up and that would be okay because like I said God doesn't know us anything. The next week Pastor Wong didn't tell me they were selling land. He, He kept me in the, he didn't keep me in the loop at all. Partly because he didn't Want. He didn't know for sure, you know, he didn't know if it was going to, COVID had already started happening. He didn't know the buyer's going to come through or not. Next week, Pastor Wong brings in $20,000. After I told the construction company we got no money. So the wonderful thing is this, when I go in and I say, we got $20,000, what can we get for that? <laughs> we want to go up some more, you know, what, can we, what do we got?
1: And of course they say, where did you get this money from? Pastor Wong, he's in the room. When they know he doesn't got no money, he sold land, and his father-in-law sold land.
0: They're like, what? They said, it's COVID. Nobody's buying land. Pastor Wang said, well, they
1: agreed to the sale before COVID hit. So they got pre-COVID price for their land. Now,
0: Pastor Wang and Pastor Sakon both gave $10,000 out of the deposit. They didn't have much left. Later, they got the full payment. They didn't know if that would come through, but just partly because of COVID, and that money came through. I told Pastor Juan, "Don't forget, this money's not to spend. This is all you got. There's no social security. There's no retirement. This is your future and your family's future. You got to invest this." So he took that money, and he went and bought a bigger piece of property than what he had before. Subtract the ten thousand already, and subtract twenty thousand that he put into the bank so that he'd have some money in savings for an emergency, and for his kid's college someday, which is smart, right? It's a good thing. And what was left, he went and got a bigger piece of property in which I believe
1: was a better place for COVID price because prices had gone down. Now, I'm going to tell you who does that. God does that. God does that. And this church that we've been teaching to give sacrificially. Sometimes
0: for Pastor Wang originally, when he was a teenager, it was $5 a month. And he said to me when he started, Pastor, this is crazy. We're trying to give $5,000 over four years as a church. That was our goal. And they exceeded it. He said, but this isn't enough money to buy anything in Phnom Penh. Nope, it's not. But we're going to do our part. And we're going to let God do the rest. That young teenager grew up, and in his 30s, he was able to give a substantial amount. $10,000, I think, is a substantial amount. And, and that's just my opinion. So maybe other people would have a different opinion, but I think that's a substantial amount, even for this church. I don't know if you would accept a, a, a check for $10,000. Or cash, <laughs> you would. Okay. <laughs> and he got to give a meaningful, what he felt like was a
1: significant contribution to this church building and many others, And then God blessed him for it. You know, God, when we live for him, he takes care of us. When we make him first in our life, yeah, he gives us joy. He gives us peace. When we're careful to
0: keep our mind right and to think on him, he helps us stand fast in a life that's for him. Some people start well. They start well by serving him, putting others first, making Christ the most important thing in their life, sacrificing for him and his work. But some people don't stand fast. And it's my opinion that the things we see in chapter 4 they're instrumental, they're very key to helping us stay true to Christ. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for your word and I pray that you'd help us to stand fast for you. I pray that you'd help us put you first, and to keep you there.
1: Lord, how we need your help. We so quickly get off track and we go astray. Help us, Lord, I pray, to keep our minds on you, I pray.